0: All right, I'm gonna bring you in for a landing. Just finish off whatever you're conversing about there. It's good to share with one another. I'm gonna be that guy who interrupts your conversation all morning. So friends, we're, we're, we're gonna move into a time where we're gonna use music as a, as a contemplative meditative worship space. So a little bit different, the way we normally do it feel free to sit or stand or do whatever you would like to do we're going to use the song good good father but uh, we're just going to use its chorus as kind of our lead if you will and what i want you to think about i just want to share with you that uh, ray martin has been part of this church last week ray am i right 55 years Now, Ray, that requ- oh, oh, I apologise. Yes, but that requires so much more than a round of applause, which we can't give you. <laughs> but how, like, we get to be here because of people who sowed like that. So, Ray, I'm going to ask you to lead us in a minute with one word about God's goodness, right? And as you think about God's goodness, I'm going to ask you to share with us about God's goodness. And then we're going to sing about that together. So we're going to write our own worship today, right? And we're going to see how that goes. Who's up for that? All right, three of us are, and a couple of us are going, I have no idea, but here we go. you think on as you think on God's goodness what are some of the words or the thoughts that come to your mind Ray can I ask you God's goodness faithfulness so God you are faithful to us you are good in the way you are faithful to us
1: you are faithful faithful faithful.
0: goodness. Someone else, how would you express that in a word? Gracious. gracious. Thank you, God, that you're good and you are gracious.
1: You are gracious. You are gracious. You are gracious. You are gracious. gracious. You are gracious. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you
0: Another word or another few words about God's goodness. Who wish? Yes, mate. Loving. Loving. Yeah, another. When you think on God's goodness, what comes to your mind? Patience. 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 Good, and you are patient to us. Let's give thanks for that.
1: Good and patient. Good and patient, good and patient.
0: Next verse forgiving. forgiving, yeah, thank you. You're forgiving, you're a good God who forgives us always. give me Verse, he wants to write that for us. One more word God is good, mercy. mercy. Yeah, his mercy always speaks over us. You're a good God.
1: your mercy I receive your mercy
0: thank you just for how good you are to us we serve a mighty God forgiving gracious generous kind faithful you're all these things and so much more we thank you for your presence with us today we want to be present to your presence we just recognize and we lift high and we declare that you are good and we are loved by you. With grateful hearts we say thank you. Amen. Friends, this morning we're going to share about the the way or the work of spiritual growth. What does spiritual growth look like? And I I think to grow spiritually, you start by focusing on what God is like towards us. But we're going to look and we're going to consider kind of two different lenses or two different models of spiritual growth. And then I'm going to take us into a place where we can maybe have an encounter in an imaginative prayer context of uh, what spiritual growth can look like within that context. So that's kind of where we're going today. But where I want you to go now is to reflect on how do you see spiritual growth? So I've put a bunch of pictures on the screen. Phil, can we get a picture screen? Next one, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. So what what I'm inviting you to do is take a couple of minutes around your table. You might have like 30 seconds each, so don't do it a big thing. But you might want to grab one of the pictures from up here... Take the bike rider, you might want to say, the bike rider kind of, I I think about spiritual growth as this kind of, you know, constant journey of trying to press into the things of God. It feels somewhat like an uphill battle. You know, the picture might prompt the conversation. Are you with me? And if you don't want to use a picture and you just want to say, I see spiritual growth in my life this way, then do that as well, okay? So we've got a few minutes in our table space to just have a conversation around how do we see spiritual growth how do we understand spiritual growth if you if you guys who have come a bit later want to join a table so that that conversation can take place feel free if you're happy where you are stay where you are but just share with each other for the next few minutes around how do you understand the lens through which you see spiritual growth what does it feel like for you in your life to grow spiritually All right, I'm going to be that guy that interrupts us. Finish off that thought. <laughs> so, um, as we know, Andrew loves to play a game. I'm not sure who's going to turn up for, what was it, Octopus Chasing Sharks or something? But My game's still being made. Out next year. Right, okay. Uh, but we're going to play a game now. Anybody know the game Word Association? Right, so it's very simple, too simple for Andrew possibly. but It's simple, I say a word and you yell out the first thing that comes to your mind, right? So whatever you do, don't think about it because then you're, not a, you're, you're trying to work it out, right? It's called word association because the first thing that comes into your mind, you associate with the word that I say. Are you ready? So don't think about it, I'm going to say a word and you are going to open your mouth and respond with the first word that comes to your mind. Here is the first word, meatloaf. I, I heard a lot of laughter, not a lot of words. Uh, give me some of the answers that came out. What was up at this table up here? Singer, singer. yes. Somebody got singer. Anybody else got something else? Love. What, what was it? Love. love. You'd love meatloaf. No, no, he, expresses love. he expresses love. Good. I like. Yeah. All right. We. Yeah. Motorbike. Motorbike. Something from over here. Sunday lunch. (laughs) All right. Potatoes. Meatloaf and potatoes. Yeah, right. I get it. You ready for the next word? This time a bit faster, right? First word that comes to your mind. (laughs) Uh, I haven't said the word yet, but we can go with bat out of hell for the last one. You're a little bit late. You're a little bit late. (coughs) We're kind of looking for it straight away, but well done. (laughs) The next word is ocean. That was better. What did I get? Water. What else did I get? Peter. Surfing. Surfing. Waves. Peter. Ocean. Walked on the water. They're, yeah. Our minds go in all different places. What? Ocean's 11. We went film. Yeah, I like it. Anything else? Ocean. Deep. Deep. Yeah, yeah, good. Was this cold? I get it. All right, last word, are you ready? First word that comes to your mind, okay? Did you have anything on ocean come yet? No, not yet, You will come back to you. Uh, <laughs> all right, this word, last word, first thing that comes to your mind, work. Oh. There, there was a fair bit of groaning in the room on that one. I did hear sleep from the back there, so I'm not sure work, sleep, how that relates. What, what else did I get? Any? Tired. Drudgery. Drudgery. (laughs) (laughs) Snap, drudgery. Got the same one there. Anything? People, yeah. Hard. Safe. Slaves. (laughs) All right. It's amazing where our minds go, isn't it? So friends, where do our minds go when we think about the work of spiritual growth or the way of spiritual growth. And, and what I want to do is I want us to kind of contrast two different lenses through which I think we can see spiritual growth. Right? That, there might be more lenses than these two and, and I don't have time to kind of exhaust them so I just want to kind of introduce them to you. I'm going to pick up on a few thoughts from when I, I was able to share with you in December around Mighty God. I'm going to just pick up a few of those, to, for, those of you, that you, for those of you who are here then. But the two lenses, I'm going to call them. One lens is the behavioural modification lens in which I see spiritual growth. And the other lens I'm going to call the be me lens of how I see spiritual growth. So firstly, I'm just going to look at this behavioural lens of spiritual growth and make a few comments about it. Firstly, I think that when we see spiritual growth through this behavioural lens, then kind of, if I can say, the big issue is sin and stopping it, right? When we understand spiritual growth through this lens, we understand sin's the issue and stopping it is the focus. And and spiritual growth, we kind of assess our spiritual growth based on our behaviour. How well am I behaving as a Christian is kind of equated to how well am I being a Christian or how am I going at spiritual growth. In this kind of lens, you kind of work hard. You work hard on yourself at being a better Christian and you work hard on being a Christian in the world. If you will, the effort is primary about... um, uh, Sorry, effort... ...is about growth. You put your effort into growing to be more like Christ um, and you kind of feel a call towards self-discipline. It's kind of like, look at Christ, be like Him, obey the rules, be good. And, And often the motivation associated with this lens, if the lens is not understood well, can become quite manipulative... Uh, Be good kind of gets equated with God loves good guys and God loves good girls. If you're good, God loves you. And kind of, if you're not so good, well, God punishes you and punishes people who don't behave well. And often people who kind of uh, see spiritual growth through this lens can be drawn into a place of worry. They worry about whether they 're you know, being good enough to be accepted by God, and they cannot, quite often you can start to question god 's love because if God loves good people and i 'm not being a good person, then does he love me you kind of in this one God becomes quite elevated in the judge uh, kind of posture of how you understand God when you see it through this lens and his fatherliness, his closeness, his intimacy, his friendliness is actually based on how good you're doing and, uh, you know, he's more of a judge than a friend. He's more of a judge than a lover, if I can put it that way. In this particular lens, often kind of, it's a reward and punishment lens. You know, heaven is held up when you, you know, when you're a good Christian, then heaven is a reward and if you're not so good, in actual fact, if you get quite bad then hell is actually put out there as a judgment in in this kind of modality of understanding spirituality and spiritual growth then reward and punishment carrot stick type motivation works Um, and and you can become quite fearful and become quite uncertain in your own spiritual walk now, in this journey, because it's impossible for any of us to eradicate sin from our lives, but yet sin is the, is the thing that we're looking to overcome in this journey, then we kind of hide our sin, or we point fingers at others, you know, we re- deflect our sin. I point my, uh, uh, point my finger at uh, Danny and his sin, so you don't look at my sin. Or we kind of, you know, also feel that heaviness of shame and condemnation around uh, sin. Um, and, and in this lens, you're kind of constantly pleading with God for forgiveness and hoping That he does forgive you because you're not quite sure whether that is the case. When you read scripture and you hear kind of the exhortations of scripture, so take a Matthew 5:44, where it tells us to love our enemies. You kind of go, okay, I've got to love my enemy, and you and you get to work hard on being a lover of enemies. You see that as an exhortation to a behavior that you need to fulfill, and so you set your course about loving your enemies or in 2 Timothy 2.22 where it says pursue love and peace again you think right I've got to be a man of love and peace and so you put your self-discipline your effort into being loving and being peaceful in the context of the world now this spiritual lens this behavioral lens of spiritual growth actually makes sense to us because it's kind of the way the world works right if you want to get somewhere what do you do you you work hard at getting somewhere you you figure out where you are and where you've got to go and you work hard towards achieving that end so this work hard to become lens makes sense because that's how the world understands growth if you will in the terms of working hard to get there um but let me contrast this lens so that's what i'm going to call the behavioral lens right but let's contrast it now with another lens of spiritual growth another way of seeing another way of singing. i'm going to call this the be me lens In this lens, there's kind of two focuses. It's a bifocal lens, if you will. There's the the part of it where you you actually focus on growing in intimacy with God. And then the second part, or the goal, if you will, the end result is not necessarily becoming uh, not sinning, but the end result is actually becoming me, becoming the made in the image and likeness of God, me. So in in this lens, uh, intimacy is where the journey takes place. The focus is not so much on my behaviour, my focus is on being present to God's presence with me. If you will, I'm not trying to be a better me, rather I'm trying to create, uh, uh, I'm trying to be more present to him. And in this lens, rhythms rhythms of intimacy are what are important in your spiritual walk. You create rhythms of being present to his presence. In this lens, you live completely at ease with his love and his forgiveness and his grace over you 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 have a permanency of being able to sit in that place because you know that love and forgiveness and grace has nothing to do with behavior it's actually based on him not based on you and your performance so you constantly give thanks for forgiveness rather than plead for it because you know it's constantly flowing over you you don't have to ask for something you already have but you give thanks for forgiveness and shame and condemnation really have no place because forgiveness washes them out of your life and you don't feel that shame and condemnation have a compelling voice upon you when you behave poorly the motivation in this be me spiritual paradigm of growth is actually the beauty and love of god you are motivated in your growth because he compels you by his beauty and, he, and his love. You, you, you see him, you encounter him, and you can't help but come back for more. Anybody had a great meal that they just go, we're going back to that restaurant, I want more? It's like that, it's like I've encountered him and, and, and it, the, the taste, the beauty, the experience was such that I am motivated to return over and over again. Resting in his presence is the hard work of the be me paradigm of spiritual growth. And where in the, the behavioural context his burden can be quite heavy, in the be-me context you understand his burden is very light upon you. And you understand that where you're heading for is, is a becoming of you. You're growing in the likeness and the image of God. That's the goal, that's the outcome. It's not about behaviour, it's about growing in who I actually am. You see, through this lens it's not imitating Jesus, rather I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Or as two Corinthians three eighteen puts it, and I've been sitting in this all week, says this: We all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate—or some uh, uh, translations say, behold—the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So, in, in in this way of spiritual growth, we behold the glory of God in the intimacy of experiencing His presence, and from the experience, I become. I'm shaped from the experience. I'm transformed from experiencing his glory into a man who then reflects that glory in the way that I live my life. And I understand, and this is what God's doing some work on me, I understand that when I read about Jesus, see Jesus, encounter Jesus, I'm not just encountering God and his beauty, I'm actually encountering me and my beauty. Because that's who I am. I'm made in that likeness, in that image. When we sing about the Good Father, when we talk about faithfulness and goodness, and gro- we're, we're not only ascribing things to Jesus, we're actually saying, actually, that's who we are. Because we're created in His image, in that way. And we understand that spiritual growth is actually about encountering His glory of faithfulness, of peacefulness, of love, and then reflecting that, becoming transformed from that glory, and then reflecting that glory. So it's in the beholding of his glory that becomes the key of spiritual growth. And we're going to do an exercise, if you will, just before we leave, in how do we become present to his presence to behold his glory. Anybody excited? Sweet. (laughs) So through this lens of spiritual growth, I'm understanding that, and I'll use this word I used it before, I'm understanding that my ontological being the way I was created is like Jesus right and that's the true identity of me is I am like Jesus I'm made in his image I'm like him in a sense I am a divine me I am like God in that way that's how he created me to be and that's who I am why am I that because he created me at birth that way and he declares that I'm that most of us form our identity based on our experiences of life what other people say, what happens to us, the things we accumulate. If I ask you to tell me about yourself, not often will somebody say to me, well, I'm a man of grace, peace, mercy, goodness. They don't kind of go straight to the, the, the fruits of the Spirit in their life and explain themselves from an ontological context. They actually explain themselves, I work here, I'm married there, I live there, I, I you know, do this, they might say, I'm a worrier, I'm, I'm an anchor. Are you with me? We, but people, we are not people of our experiences right that's not where our identity is our identity is in who God created us to be the men and women made in his image and so when you see spiritual growth as becoming yourself then you're not trying to become someone you're not you're actually declaring who you are and when you behave in a way that's not congruent with the with the way that God is then you just understand yourself as not being you are you are you following me I just, I, if I behave in an angry way towards my wife, I'm just not being me because I am a man of peace. Right? So we understand that when, if, if I'm behaving in a way that's angry towards Amanda, I don't try hard to stop being angry. Right? Anybody done that stuff? Works sometimes. I actually go back to the throne room and I say to God, I need to encounter your peace. I need to experience peace as you are peace so that then I can be transformed of that glory of peace to then reflect that peace in my, in my encounter with Amanda. Now, that's totally different to self-discipline. Are you with me? I'm not trying hard to be something I'm not. I'm going back to the throne room to be reminded who I am by an experience of His glory, so that then I reflect and walk out that glory. So spiritual growth is encountering God in all His glory, understanding that's me, and then working through the process of becoming a man who lives congruent to the truth of who I am in the way I be. So I understand myself to be a man of peace and I live congruent with that. I live peacefully in the way I live. So friends, as you can see, there's a a difference in these two ways in which we see spiritual growth. I I, I pray a prayer. I've prayed it for many years. I pray it almost every day. Uh, it's a long prayer but it it brings me in the presence of God it's not rote if you will although I know it by rote but I pray it often it's about protection of my family and my life but one of the lines in the prayer is that I, I break with all judgments of myself that are not in keeping with who that you say I am friends this is what spiritual growth looks like it's being healed of the way we see ourselves that's not congruent with the way that God sees us because when we understand the I am, then the behaviour follows. Are you with me? So in this spiritual dynamic, I'm trying to allow God to shape the I am of me so that I then reflect that in the way I behave. So I break with all judgments that are not in keeping with you you say I am. In Tim's last sermon to us, he made this statement. He said, intimacy with God is the most important thing in the world. Intimacy with God is the most important thing in the world. I think, I I see nodding heads, would you, would you, uh, see, the challenge is not necessarily believing that, the challenge is, how do I be intimate with him? Because in this spiritual paradigm of understanding of be me, then intimacy is the key. And so what we're going to look at and do an exercise in just shortly, is how do we experience the intimacy of God in a way that it shapes us, that the way that we see Him, we know ourselves to be in Him and then we become reflectors of that in the way that we live. But before we do that, just to give you a break from that kind of heavy download, (laughs) just chat amongst yourselves at the table. We've only got, you know, I'm only going to give you four or five minutes just to reflect on what I just said then. You don't even have to agree with it because I'm not the fountain of all truth, right? Holy Spirit's got that thing to Himself, right? But just reflect, you know... Uh, share, talk about these two different paradigms of spiritual growth, of the work of spiritual growth, the behavioural modification and the be me. Phil, could you go to that next slide that just... Yeah, thank you. So a couple of minutes just to kind of reflect, wrestle, chat, thoughts about what I just said. Go for it. All right, I feel like you were just towards the end of word association. You were just starting to hit your peak. So you ready to go again? Three more words. Let's see how you do. The first word, first word that pops in your head, yell out. First word, sunshine. David, what was your first word in your mind? Rain, rain, sunshine, rain. Did I hear happy somewhere? Yeah, anybody happy sunrise, yeah? Did anybody go, ooh, too early in the morning, stuff? Was it that? (laughs) Next word, you ready? Next word, this is one of my wife's favorite words. You ready? Word association, first response to the word, shark. (laughs) I heard attack, amputation, bite, teeth, any other? Any other words? Something from my back table here that's been doing so well? Was there any reflections? No, no, nothing happened at all, nothing at all. (laughs) Okay, let's really try hard at our last word association for the morning, right? I'm expecting something amazing from you guys there. Okay, the last word, first word that comes into your mind when you hear the word imagination. Did anything happen there? No. (laughs) bit of a lack of imagination, shall we say. <laughs> what were some of the words that I heard? Freedom. Creativity. Freedom, creativity. Sorry. Fun. Wild. Wild. Limitless. What was that one? Limitless. Limitless. Yes, yes, I like it. Possibility. Possibility, yeah. We get better at this as I give you a few minutes to think about it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not word association. <laughs> What I want to do now is just share for a couple of minutes and then move into an opportunity for an exercise. I just want to share with you and have us reflect upon the power of imagination in the context of spiritual growth. The power of our imaginations, the place of our imaginations in our walk with Jesus, in the context of our spiritual growth. Now, I think we make the mistake that information translates to transformation, that information will translate into transformation. Now, it does sometimes, doesn't it? But who here has information that hasn't translated into transformation in their life? Anybody been booked by the police for driving? Thank you, Ray. I feel better about myself already. (laughs) I I wasn't going to share this, but right now, currently, in my life, I tell people I'm having a spiritual fast from driving. What that actually means is I've lost my license. But now that Ray put up his hand, I feel okay about confessing my sin, right? (laughs) But who knew that you were going to get booked if you went over 60K now? Did everybody know the information? (laughs) Yeah, it just didn't translate into transformation in our driving. Yeah, Information doesn't always translate into transformation. Who here knows that God loves them? doesn't always translate into the way we live, though, does it? We can have the information, but the experiences of our past that are held in our memories can often shape us in a way that we question whether God does love us or we actually can say, I don't think God does love me. We, we want it to be true. We sing about it being true. We, we kind of believe that it's true, but it doesn't translate into the way we live because there is a force of information that is in us that is greater than the intellectual information and the knowledge of He loves me. Do you, are you with me? There's a force of information that is stronger than the intellectual knowledge. Even though we profess it every Sunday, we sing about it most Sundays, you know, we read about it in the scripture, but there is a force of knowledge, a force of, uh, of truth in me, in my memories, in my experiences that are stronger than the intellect of my information knowing. You see, I invite you to see that intellectual truth, the things we believe, is somewhat abstract. It's it's from outside ourselves. We look upon them, if you will. We examine them. We consider them. They're external. Now, please don't hear me saying they're not bad. I study Jesus, right? I I actually, my rhythm of my spiritual growth is I never stop reading one of the Gospels, ever. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, back to Matthew. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life, right? Do I read other scripture? Yes, but I never stop reading the Gospels. So uh, I am looking for intellectual understanding of what Jesus is like in the Gospels. But what I'm saying is that that's an abstract, I look upon that, whereas experiential truth is much more vivid it's much more concrete, it's much more internalised. And this is why memories are so powerful and influential in shaping our lives, because it's an internalised truth that we hold in a memory, not an intellectualised truth that we look upon. And the other thing about truths that we experience is that we can... Uh, call upon them we can re-experience them again and this is the power of memory and they become concrete vivid representations that have incredible influential truth attached to them and friends I want to say to you this is why the gift that God has given us of, of imagination is so important because it enables us to experience truth not just to know we're loved but to actually come into a place where we experience being loved. And I'm suggesting to you that that place is something in our imaginative place. Imagination is the mind's ability to evoke images of things that aren't physically present and to experience them. So our imagination enables us to experience the reality that God is present with us. Who knows that God's present with us here in this room? But do we live like that? (laughs) You see, it's our imagination that we can stop and actually experience his presence. We can take our intellectual understanding and come into an experiential encounter that is very vivid, concrete, shaping. I think that that the world has put imagination into the fantasy category. Would you agree with me? You know, imagination is about Lord of the Rings fantasy stuff. And that's true. We can use our imagination for fantasy. But I want to suggest to us that we can use our imagination to experience reality, supernatural spiritual realities. So I put to you that we reconsider the place of imagination. St. Ignatius, uh, during the 15th century, wrote work that he called the Spiritual Exercises. And he said that he called people to see by the power of imagination, to see and experience God in the power of imagination. Charles Finney, in his work, The Principles of Union with Christ, wrote this, he said, Unless one has a concrete and dynamic experience of Christ, they will never be transformed by his sanctifying power. One must see Christ vividly to be transformed by him. How do we see Christ vividly? I believe that's a process of imagination. Well, more recently, I've been reading Gregory A. Boyd's book, Seeing is Believing, if something sparked into you this morning about what I've been talking about, and you kind of go, I want to read something on that, if you're a reader, then Gregory A. Boyd, "Seeing is Believing. He makes, the con- he makes the comment, the most fundamental things believers need is to have regular times when they rest in the experience of Jesus as real. I've been doing this recently, <laughs> over the last few months, and I've been having some wonderful encounters of our risen Jesus. I've been doing it in a way that's deliberate recently. It's not that I've never done it in the past, but now it's part of my rhythm of spiritual growth, is to put aside times to be present to him. The theologian Morton Kesley wrote this. He said, imaginative prayer is so transforming because it gives us a way of thinking and brings us closer to actual experiences of the spiritual realm than any concepts and mere verbal ideas of the realm." It brings us closer to an actual experience. And A.W. Towser, I'll finish with, Hebrews 12.2 says this, "It's fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. The author, the one who brings about our faith, perfects our faith in us. Fix your eyes on him so that he can do that. How do you do that? Well, A.W. Towser says, it is to gaze on Christ with eyes of the soul. So, This fixing our eyes on Jesus, this beholding of his glory, this gazing with the eye of our soul, I would suggest to you is a key part of our spiritual growth. And for each of us, I invite us into a a rhythm of being able to be present to Jesus in his presence in an imaginative sense. So much more could be said. I've just opened the lid. But I think the best way for us to discover this is to actually attempt together an experience so you're ready (laughs) we're going to have an imaginative prayer experience with Jesus so how does this work you can grab your piece of paper that's on the table if you like I'm going to walk you through a process and I'm simply going to give you space to do that process so firstly we're going to pray which is the prayer on the back we're going to pray that together that's where we'll start but we're not going to do that right now And then after we've prayed, I'm going to invite you to find a space in your imagination that's a sanctuary place, that's a a safe place, a quiet place, a place of safety. And I'm going to invite you to really be present to that space. Try and see it in your mind's eye. Smell it. Taste it if you can. Put yourself in that sanctuary, that safe place. Allow yourself to be there. And then when you find that you've got yourself comfortable and you're there and you're vividly present to that place, then invite Jesus to join you. See him enter. Allow him to come and sit, stand, be present in your safe place with you. And imagine that as vividly as possible. And then just share with Jesus, honestly, anything that's on your mind, Anyhow, you want to respond to him. If you find yourself feeling unworthy, then just remind yourself that there's a waterfall of forgiveness flowing over you and that he is smiling and happy with you. But I also invite you to be open to wherever Jesus takes the conversations. But try and manage your thoughts. Try not to kind of go off on a tangent back to work or somewhere. Try and stay present with Jesus. Now, Jesus may take you from that safe place to another place, and that other place may well be a memory. If he takes you to another place that's a memory, it's because he wants to do something with you in that memory. So follow him there. Sometimes that can be a really difficult memory. He might want to bring some healing there. But follow him there, knowing that he's good and that he's about bringing healing and freedom to you. And then the last thing is just as you behold Jesus, realise that that's who you are. That's the man, the woman that you are however he is to you that's how you are and allow his glory to transform you now this is not a great space to do that we don't have the 45 minutes that i'd love to give us to do that but we're gonna we're gonna allow ourselves 10 okay and so we're gonna light our candles for those who haven't lit their candles yet as just a way of saying jesus we recognize that you are present with us in this room and if you want to grab your paper and turn it over to the other side of the prayer we're going to pray this prayer together and then there's going to be 10 minutes of just silence where you go to your place and meet with Jesus there so if you're ready we'll pray this prayer together Holy Spirit pray it with me Holy Spirit you do the creative work of pointing me toward Jesus. I ask that you would make the living Jesus present and real to me. I ask that you help me experience as real what I know to be intellectually true. And I ask that you sanctify my imagination and help me to stay focused, that I may experience the real Jesus with all my five senses. Enjoy Jesus
1: Here within his love. Himmen He is still with us.
0: But well, church, I send you out this week to know that you're not alone just know it intellectually but have an experience of jesus presence with you find your safe place create a rhythm of opportunity to meet with him to experience his glory and be transformed by that amen have a fantastic week enjoy the king